everyone. Welcome to the Roto-Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Tuesday. It is March 17th, and we are here to talk some League of Legends. I know. Oh, yeah. I never thought that it'd be the day that you guys would tune into this podcast here at Roto-Grinders and start listening to a podcast about esports. But, hey, it's the times that we're in, and I'm excited. I'm actually excited to talk some League of Legends. I'm joined today. By John George, the esports plug over there on Twitter. I'm sure if you haven't checked him out already, you're going to be checking him out because it's becoming a thing, and we, you know, we're all you know degens, and we want something to you know sweat. So, John, I appreciate you joining me here today, and you know we're going to talk some league. Is what I heard is like the cool term to to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, that'll work for it. And yeah, thanks for having me on, Stevie. Should be uh, informative for people, I hope. All right, so. We're going to talk basics as far as League of Legends. You know, we could – we have some slates coming up that, you know, I'm actually – I'm excited, man. I'm sure you're excited too because you actually play this a lot. Like, you have a $60,000 tournament on Wednesday with twenty k up top, and it's like – I hate how top-heavy it is. I think the tournaments will kind of come down as far as top-heaviness here. But, like, even if you look at, like, the 222, I'm sure you're excited as an LOL esports player like – Oh yeah, this is awesome because now I can take advantage of the fish like Stevie, um, you know, jumping in on these games. Yeah, I mean, I'll say it, it's been huge for us. Like uh, the standard slate before all the other sports leagues dropped out, you could maybe invest like five or six hundred if you if you max entered everything. If you won everything you played, you might walk away with like twenty five hundred dollars. And now we're looking at, you know, average slate. You can get thousands in there if you want, and you can walk away with 10,000-plus easily if you if you ran good. So, it, yeah, it's been awesome for us. All right, so before we get into talking league, let's just a little background on you. Me and you were chatting before we got started here. We, we started talking old Counter-Strike days, and I got excited because <laughs> um, I miss playing Counter-Strike, you know, 10 hours a day. That was something that I did, um, you know, when I was hurt in high school and got really good at it. So, like, I miss doing that, but – Let's just give a little background on how you got into, you know, League of Legends DFS. I know you like the, the sports betting aspect of it and everything, too. Uh, just give us a little background on you. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been a crazy ride throughout my life. I started out playing uh, Counter-Strike 1.5 at the Land Cafe when I was, like, 13. I would, you know, take a train down to the city. And I lived in Australia at that time. and take a train down to the city and play Counter-Strike for, like, 10 hours, like you're talking about. Um and I was on the pro tour for Magic the Gathering, another uh, card game uh, that I used to play. And slowly I kind of transitioned from that into poker, uh, played poker for a living for about 10 years. And then after the online poker ban, moved overseas, came back. My brother was the one, my little brother who's like 10 years younger than me, showed me League of Legends for the first time. Uh, honestly, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, it's a stupid game. I'm never going to play it again. <laughs> and then uh, I saw that it was on DraftKings and, and my brother was still involved with it. And I was like, hey man, what's going on with this? It was like, six years ago or something five years ago and uh started doing it from there started following all the leagues started really digging into it in depth at the beginning no one really knew what they were doing so there was a lot of money to be made and i've just been doing it ever since yeah I, i'm already seeing like i i've all right i'm not known i'm not an expert i am good at roster construction just because i've been playing dfs for a very long time but i'm seeing the most important part already of league of legends dfs is roster construction am i crazy no, you're, you're definitely correct. It's super important. It's one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they first come in um, is, is constructing rosters incorrectly. And even at the highest levels, like even at the, the high buy-in tournaments, I see people constructing their rosters wrong all the time. 
Yeah, we don't have to get like too much into that, but I, I'm just saying like I'm already seeing like people game stacking, and that seems like an instant no no for me. Um, it's not like we're so used to football, we're game stacking. The the game gets you know high scoring, we're game stacking. You know, basketball game gets high scoring. Like game stacks work so much, and like we're already seeing like such a huge difference when it comes to like you know League of Legends DFS compared to like NBA um, and you know baseball. I messaged you earlier. I feel like baseball is the closest comparable for me because like baseball is all about, you know, team stacking and that, that seems what league of legends is. Yeah. I think one thing that I compare it to a lot of the time is MMA. Um, okay. You can't, you can't have losers in your lineup. Like losers in your lineup is almost certainly going to be going to be bad for you. There have been literally like less than five occasions in the last like four years or however long it's been that I've played players from the same team in my or like opposite teams in my lineups and uh, that's only because there have been a few outlier teams that were like killed and died so often that occasionally you could game stack them if they were playing other really bloody teams but it's it's very rare you definitely want to be stacking like what you were talking about in, in baseball yeah so like I was I've been doing some research on the Wednesday slate um and like the I've only seen one time that I've done research so far that like one guy has scored more than like 75 points on the losing team. And like, it's almost always like an ADC. So um, I, I'm just, you're, you're probably not going to win with an ADC from the losing team, no matter what, because it seems to be like the, you know, mid and ADC become the, the most important spots. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is something that DraftKings fixed um, <clears throat> back in the day when you had these slates that were only two games, you sometimes had to play, players from one of the other teams like if you wanted to play both the favorites you just wouldn't have enough money to play only players from the favorite teams no matter who you put uh in your lineup but these days you can almost always get lineups that don't include you know that are only playing players from teams that could be winning on the slate um as far as like playing a losing player in order to save salary that's like something that people do sometimes you know they want to get a better captain or something i would not ever recommend doing that like you said, losing players almost never have very high-scoring games. The game snowballs out of control too much. When one team is winning, the other team basically ceases to get kills most of the time, which completely shuts down their DraftKings scoring. All right, so let's just talk, like, general League of Legends here. Like, you know, we know that from, like, our gaming days, well, my gaming days, that, like, <laughs> it's five-on-five, five, um, you know, and it's it's it, I haven't like really got it. like are there multiple maps or is it just like one map, three lanes? Do your thing. Yeah, it's it's just one map. They play the same map over and over again. The thing that changes, like you're referring to Counter Strike, where they switch maps, and oftentimes like one team will be better on this map than the other team, but they might be worse on a different map. So it's a way for like things to change in the same matchup. And the way that happens in league is via the champion picks. Uh, so there's 148 champions in League of Legends, and they all fit within some of the roles. Some of them can play one role. Some of them can play four roles, five roles. Uh, but every single game, the drafts end up differently uh, at the beginning of the game when they draft their champions. So while this team might beat that team in this draft setup, next game the draft could be completely different and it might go the other direction so that's kind of how they switch things up so you're not getting bored seeing the same exact matchup over and over again so you get two teams of five you know competing trying to kill the nexus um if i'm not crazy right um yeah, that's correct um so we got like you know you got your dragons you know um just kind of give us an overview 
first time ever watching LOL, first time ever playing LOL, just kind of give us a general overview of like how gameplay and like what I might pick up if I'm watching a match. Okay. So some of the things I'm going to say here are not universally true, but they're going to be very often true. Most teams play, have five positions. They're going to have a top laner. The top laner tends to play tanky, big bruisery guys for the most part. Somebody who can take a lot of damage. You have a jungler who roams around the map trying to affect the three lanes Uh, so you have a top laner in the top lane. They have a top laner in the top lane. Your jungler tries to come in and make that a two versus one to give your team an advantage. Try to fight the other guy real quick and try to win a two versus one fight. Uh, your mid laner tends to play like mages, people that deal a lot of damage, but are, you know, have like a big bursty ability that does something. Uh, the bottom lane tends to have an 80 carry as they call it and a support. Uh, the 80 carry is like your guy with a bow and arrow, basically. He shoots from long distance, usually does a lot of damage, but is super easily killed. And the support is there to protect the 80 carry to try to stop them from dying since they're so easy to kill. Um, as the, When the game begins, the, they take to their three separate lanes for the most part. The top laner goes top, mid goes mid, and the bot lane goes down there. And they'll just have like little skirmishes and battles with the enemies uh, from that lane. And then as the game starts to roll forward, the junglers will start trying to affect lanes. Sometimes the mid laner or the top laner will roam around and try to go affect the bottom lane or the support might roam up and try to help the mid lane. And it's all about trying to gain advantages over the opponent uh, using those, just trying to win your lanes fairly or to try to affect the lanes to, to win them through teamwork. Yeah, you don't typically, so what I'm seeing so far, um, again, no expert by any means, making that very clear. Um, for what I'm seeing, support usually doesn't score as much. Um, now, and I say that, the dude from uh, JDG, LVMAO, yeah, he, this dude's averaging, like, his assist numbers are insane. Um, and, like, when they 2-0 when they teams and stuff, like, he puts up some really big numbers. And, like, what I'm seeing so far is, like, you really want to focus on the ADC and the mid and kind of build from that, um, you know, as far as like general DFS terms go. So I will say that, yeah, the AD carry and the mid laner tend to be the highest scoring players um, on a team that does change based on patches. Like every other game league of legends has patches that change how the game works sometimes. And there have been patches where junglers tended to be the highest scoring player. If it was a really aggressive meta game where there was a lot of fighting early, the jungler's the one who's most likely to be involved in an early fight. But generally speaking, yeah, AD carry and mid are the highest scoring positions. I will say they tend to be the least variant positions as well. Like winning AD carries are usually going to be the highest scoring player on their team. But that's pretty much true no matter what team you're looking at. Whereas some teams have very good top laners and other teams have mediocre top laners. Some teams have very good supports and other teams have mediocre supports. 80 carries will almost always score well if they're on a winning team, uh, as opposed to some of those other positions, which are a bit more variant. Yeah. So I feel like if you're looking at like the, like the team slot too, like it, it's a position, like you're playing like a team defense or something from like yeah. football. Like you're not, you're, you're wanting that team to win 2-0 from what I've seen. And, you know, you just kind of, you kind of want the one that's going to win. That's the cheapest. Yeah. Team slot is not very variant at all. Um, and it's almost impossible to predict. I mean, teams that are clearly better than their opponents will probably score a little bit better in the team slot. At the same time, if a team wins too cleanly, 
the game doesn't go very long and give the team chance to score more points. So it, the team slot is very unpredictable and not very variant. So I would totally agree with you that whoever your cheapest team that you're rostering that you think can win is, that's probably where you want to go with your team slot. I wouldn't be investing like a, a lot of money into your team slot if you can help it. All right, so we're, we're, we're talking general strategy as far as gameplay goes. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit and go more like daily fantasy side of things. Um, we, as a daily fantasy industry, love stats. We love to look up stats. We love, like, luckily for me, like, I'm looking up some of these stats and I'm looking at, like, kill-to-death ratio. And, like, I know what this stuff is. And I'm like, all right, these, these really bring me back to, like, my ESEA days. Um, what kind of stats should we be looking at to, you know, kind of compare, you know, when we're looking at these matchups? So there's a couple stats that I use a lot that are very easy that people can get a hold of and have a look at. But the problem is, like, one of them is not a stat that's tracked. So you, this is something for people that want to go out and do their own research to figure this out. Okay, awesome. Uh, some of the stats that I use very regularly are stats called kill per win and death per loss because – there are websites that track like basically how bloody a team is overall, but they use a, a stat called combined kills per minute. And the problem with combined kills per minute is it tells you how often both teams are dying within a specific amount of time. Where what you really need to know is how often this specific team is killing their opponents, not how often both teams are dying. You need to know how many kills this team is going to get. And so a stat that I use is kills per win. Um, I go through the game histories myself and, look at every match and record how many kills the winning team got and how many deaths the losing team gave up, which is going to be the same number and keep track overall of which teams kill the most when they win and which ones die the most when they lose. Uh, because you don't care how often a team dies when they win and you don't care how often a team kills when they're losing. You only want winning teams on your lineup. So you really care how much they're getting killed or how many kills they're getting when they win. You don't care what they do when they lose. Hey, I like it. <laughs> there, like is one it. Other, there is one other stat I would mention that is easily tracked that's important. We were talking about how, like I said, some teams have really good top laners and some teams have really bad top laners, etc. There's a stat called kill participation. You can look it up pretty easily. It just tells you how, what percentage of the team's kills they're involved in. And if you look up like top laners, they can range anywhere from like 30% all the way up to 70%, depending on how like involved their top laner is in the rest of the game so that's that's very important as well when deciding who to roster from a team now do you feel like the the china like the lpl is like chinese do you feel like you know the stats are a little different you know easier to find when you go into like the chinese and the united states and stuff like that or do you feel if you if, listen i've been googling stuff i've been finding stats without a problem like you know do you feel like it, it's just you're gonna find them because like this is a pro league you can find the stats like for almost any of the leagues. Uh, there's four major regions, and those are the ones you're going to see all the time, especially on DraftKings. Um, they've been experimenting with adding some of the smaller ones. But North America, Europe, China, and Korea are the four major regions. The stats to find for those regions are very easy to find. But even going down to like – you can find stats for the Turkish league. You can find stats for Brazil, pretty much any league. Like the, the stats are definitely out there if you're, if you're looking in the right places for sure. So I, you know, again, have been doing a lot of research and what, I, what I'm noticing, like a lot of the, a lot of the good teams, you know, their towers kill per game seem to be really high. Um, do you think that correlates at all? Or do you think it's, you know, you're going to see more towers kill per game when they're facing weaker teams? So that's not a stat we should be like tracking too much. Yeah, no, that's, 
that's really just a function of winning. You're going to kill more towers when you win. You have to kill more towers to get to the enemy team's nexus. So if you're a team that's winning a lot, you're going to kill more towers per game. If you're a team that's losing a lot, you're not going to kill as many towers per game. I think that that's, that's pretty much just a function of how, how often they're winning. Yeah, for anybody that's curious, Victory 5, very, very bad. Um, <laughs> so, you know, does, does like, time of games, you know, to accumulate more fantasy points, like, is this something that we should be looking at? You know, I don't want you to have to give away all your tricks to the trade. I appreciate you just joining and, like, you know, chatting and, like, giving us an overview. I'm just – like I said, I'm trying to learn too. Um, you know, it's something that like if we had CS go, I would know I want to go get guys that are getting frags and, you know, assists and stuff. And, you know, their ADR is really high, but I don't have CS go yet. I'm waiting. Um, you know, again, I don't want you to have to give away, but like when I'm looking at like teams like, you know, BG, LGD, like their, their game time seems to be a little bit longer than some of these other teams. Yeah, game time's relevant. Um, the longer the game goes, generally speaking, the better it's going to be. I mean, that's not always true, of course, but generally speaking, the longer the game goes, the better it's going to be. Um, keep in mind that fantasy players also get points for farm, uh, killing the little minions that are running around the map. And the longer the game goes, they're definitely going to kill more minions. I mean, every minute they're going to keep killing more and more minions. So you're guaranteed more points just from that. And obviously, if the game's going longer, they're going to have more opportunities to skirmish and fight and get kills. Um, but looking up things like the combined kills per minute and kills per win and deaths per loss and stuff like that, I think is more relevant. There are teams that win very quickly, but are extremely bloody and fight all the time. Um, there's a couple leagues that you guys aren't going to get to watch right now because they're also on hiatus. We're expecting them to come back next week, but, uh, in Europe, there's a team called G2. That's, that's very well known. They're very, very aggressive and they fight all the time, but their game time's not very long. Hey, I've heard of G2. Like, I, I <laughs> there feel we like... go. There we go. Um, all right. The question that I've seen the most in our Discord channel, um, our esports Discord channel is free for anybody that's part of the Rotor Grinders community um, and, and wants to talk esports. The, the question that I see the most, all right, John, this is going to, you're probably going to be like, all right, everybody wants to know what the heck a creep score is. Okay, that that's what I was just talking about. The, min, the minion is, yeah, okay. it's the number of minions that they've killed over the course of the game. Um, yeah, they get 0 .02 points for every minion that they kill. 80 carries in mid laners farm by far more than everyone else. Sometimes top laners, depending on what champion they're playing as well. But junglers and supports. Uh, junglers farm a lot less, and supports don't farm at all. So that's one of the reasons that you said that supports seem like they scored lower in general. Yeah, they don't kill minions. So especially in best of three series, uh, they're going to miss out on three to 500 minion kills every game. They usually they might get twenty to fifty farm if they're if nobody else is around they'll kill minions to not waste the gold but yeah in general they're not going to farm so you're missing three to five hundred minions a game if you're a support yeah I'm seeing like you see a lot of like stats for like gold per minute um, is that like translate into anything that we should be looking at too um, it's going to tell you how good the team is it's going to help you figure out how good the team is or how good the player on the team is um, a lot of, a lot of times also there's things like gold share that you can look into that will tell you where a team allocates its gold. Like some teams play through their 80 carry and the 80 carry gets 33% of the gold on the map, which is like a huge number. Um, other teams play through their top laner. So that kind of stuff is important for figuring out how you want to stack a team, but uh, not necessarily relevant in deciding which teams you want to stack. I don't think. 
listen, we're stacking. That's what we're doing. Like we're, we're definitely not, stacking. We're stacking. Like, like let's make that clear one more time. We're stacking. Um, I can't really, you know, maybe you, I can't really think of anything else that I've come across that I have questions. Um, is there anything like that, that you feel like I'm missing? I know like, again, you, you can, you can research per player, how much they're averaging as far as like kills and stuff like, you know, average kills per per matchup again it seems like adc and mill middle um are your average kills per game like i know puff i think is leading the lpl right now um look at me dropping names i i just saw that before <laughs> we started and that's the only reason i knew that but for the most part you know I, I guess like you said it really like depends on you know what type of you know software really like leagues is on like i know they, they started the season it was on a different one right wasn't it like 1.01 1. 01 or yeah, something the the patches change uh throughout patches, the course of the season of. yeah and things do like the the meta game as we would call it you know switches around like imagine if every like month and a half in basketball they're like now three pointers are only worth 2.2 points and layups are worth five like suddenly different players would be the best player in the league and different teams would be the best team in the league. You know, if all of a sudden, you know, they said dunks are worth 10 now. It's just like, oh, we had this center we couldn't use for the last, like, two months because three-pointers were worth nine. But all of a sudden, now dunks are worth 10, so we're the best team in the league because we got this guy. Like, it doesn't usually change quite that much. The best teams tend to stay the best teams overall. But it definitely affects, you know, how good some teams are and what they can do. Um, I'll say, like you were asking if there's anything else, I'd say in roster construction, we were talking about stacking. Um, for many years, like really up until recently, I played four, two splits as I would call it basically every slate, four players from one team, two players from another team. Um, the team slot does not gel with the players, which we kind of discussed a little bit. Like it doesn't matter how bloody the team, the players are, the team slot doesn't gain anything from that. So you don't need to have a, a team from uh, a matchup that you expect to be bloody. So usually I would try to identify what I thought the bloodiest matchup was going to be and play four players from that matchup and then two players from another team that I thought was going to win and then the team slot from the second team. Um, I will say with the size of the contests that we're getting now and a lot of people understanding that 4-2 tends to be the right way to build your lineups, you have some room to throw some funky stuff in there if you want to try to solo win a GPP because there's going to be a lot of lineup sharing in the 4-2 lineup setups. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I see this with NASCAR a lot um, as far as like, you know, five way splits for first place. I think we're going to see with these like top heavy payouts, I think you're going to see a lot of ties for first place. So like $20,000 paydays are going to be like three or four grand. Hey, listen, I'll take three or four grand. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when I'm looking at like, again, I, I've, I've played the last three slates um, for LPL and just looking at like roster construction and stuff like that, it, it's almost always at least a four team stack um, taking down GPPs. So I, I think what you're saying makes a ton of sense. I think last night's um, big slate was the first one that we saw. I think it was like a, a three, three, two or something like that. I can't remember. Um, yeah, three, it three, was one. definitely, it was, it was three, three, one or something, right. It was way different, um, you know, as far as like roster construction, but uh, we saw kind of an upset with OMG, which, you know, I read, you know, a lot of people were kind of expecting them to win. So, yeah, I played all OMG last night. But, yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I stand behind 4-2. You can't play five players from a team. Like, DraftKings won't let you. If you could, I would play five players from a team. But uh, generally speaking, I, I am definitely confident that 4-2 is, like, the most optimal way to stack things. But like you say, you know, when you're playing a big size GPP, sometimes you need to do non-optimal things if you want to get 
a solo owned lineup, especially when people are starting to figure out that they're supposed to be stacking. If there's 5,000 people only team stacking on a slate that only has six teams, you're going to come up with an awful lot of people copying the same lineup. So I do think there's uh, some merit to like mixing in three, three ones or playing three different teams in your lineup and things like that to try to get solo owned lineups. Yeah. Um, I like the optimal approach of playing four. Um, but yeah, listen, like, especially on like the two game slate that we're, we're looking at, you know, that's going to start here on Tuesday um, morning early. That's he's trying to, man, I have to go back and like watch some of these and it's like, I'm not awake at two o'clock in the morning. I have a five month old. Like I, I am very well asleep. Um, I got to watch the end of like a live, the live game um, from earlier on Monday morning uh, that was still going on. So kind of got to take in some live action. The announcers, man, they're good. I, I like the announcers over there. Um, you know, they, they make it entertaining. I like it. I think you'll enjoy uh, for people that have started to get into this a little bit and they've kind of enjoyed it. Wait until uh, the North American and European leagues come back on the, uh, they were, they're thinking about trying to bring them back this weekend and they're just going to play the games online. But the production value is extremely high. They have analyst desks in between matches, kind of like they would in like basketball, you know, at halftime, they go to Charles Barkley and the guys to talk about it. They have the same thing in league. Um, China, they have the same thing, but you're not watching that for the most part. We're mostly watching the English stream, which is not you know, the Chinese stream. So on a, when, when the EU and NA LCS and LEC come back this weekend, you'll get to see kind of what league really has to offer. I also recommend people, if you want to see something cool, go back and watch some clips from the World Championships the last few years. Uh, they played the World Championships in the Bird's Nest in China, completely packed, the same place they had the Olympics. Um, it's really, really cool, and people don't realize how much like production value and how big these really are, especially in China and Korea. Oh, it's awesome! Yeah, like it's crazy to like turn on TV and like on TBS and stuff and see this stuff like pop up. It's it's just cool to see. Um, it's like you can't yell at your kids for playing video games anymore. Like, where was this when I was growing up? My dad couldn't yell at me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, before I let you get out of here, you know, really quick, let's let's talk LPL really quick, like. Is there any like shocking things that you should see or that we should be looking at as far as like standings or do you think like E-Star and Vicious like these teams are like um, the best teams that we should be looking at each and every game? Okay so for people that like that hadn't really followed league coming into this season E-Star is a huge um, like a huge surprise to people. The E-Star is a completely rookie organization that only joined the league this year. They have a group of players that for the most part have never played professionally before. And most people ranked them 17th out of seven or 18th out of 18 uh, in the league. (laughs) So the fact that they've come out and they're starting out five, one is like a huge deal. I will say a lot of the analysts I've talked to think that that will fall apart at some point pretty soon here. They're playing kind of a, a similar strategy every game. And as the other teams start catching on to what they're doing, I think that falls apart a little bit. Um, as far as the other ones, Invictus uh, is a world champion from two years ago. Their team's fantastic. They have the best top laner in the world, and they'll probably maintain being up there. Uh, Fun plus Phoenix, if you look down in sixth place. I know what a weird name for a team, but they are our current reigning world champions, so they're also going to be uh, very good. I would expect them to move up the leaderboard. So, yeah, I think, honestly, other than E-Star, the top, like, six teams is pretty much what everybody expected them to be coming into this season, and the bottom five teams is about what people expected other than Vici gaming. Vici was a team that was expected to be kind of good and has been pretty terrible so far, but yeah, things are playing out uh, sort of reasonably other than E-Star and Vici, I would say. 
I, yeah, I was looking at Eastar earlier um, too. They've had a really soft schedule here, um, so I, I feel like they they could be like one of these teams that like when they start facing some better teams, they're going to get two zero wax and go from like first to like tenth or something here, um, you know, throughout this season. Hell yeah, I'll say start looking into some of these teams if you really want to play league this season for the listeners. Start looking into some of these teams because they play very different styles. Um, there was a period of time for like a year where Invictus was averaging like five or six more kills or deaths every game than any other team in the entire world in any region. Like, so some of these teams are extremely bloody and have a very aggressive play style. Some of them like Billy Billy gaming are considered like much more conservative and don't die as much. You're going to figure that stuff out if you start paying attention and for DFS, hugely important to know which teams are going to be fighting a lot. So we want teams fighting. We, we yes, have we gotten do. to that point of this <laughs> podcast. We, we know League of Legends. We want fighting and blood. Um, that, <laughs> that exactly is what, what you want. <laughs> that's what we want. So, John, I know, um, you know, you guys do a weekly podcast talking um, LOL, right? Esports in general. Um, it's called the Gold Card Podcast. I'm hoping that, you know, you join, joining us that everybody's going to go over to the esports plug on uh, Twitter, follow you. Like I said, I really appreciate you joining us here um, today. Check out the podcast. I'm going to be listening. I'm going to go back and listen. Like I- I'm going to go back and listen. I'm trying like to take all this information in, you know, not only in my board, like I'm, I'm actually really like excited and intrigued by this. So John really appreciate any final thoughts before we get out of here. Yeah, no, just pop over on Twitter. I love talking about League of Legends. Feel free to message me or at me. And uh, and the Gold Card podcast is – it's a betting podcast, so we mostly talk about uh, whether we like certain bets or not. But it will give you an idea of who we think is going to win every matchup, which is useful to know for daily fantasy. So, yeah, hop on over there. Come say hi to me and feel free to listen to the podcast. We appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, listen, really quick, now that you brought up betting um, – I've been, I found a site called esportsbet.com that seems to be, you know, legit outside of like, you know, Vegas sites and stuff. And like, it seems like the, the lines have been really good. How, how well do you like these lines for LOL or, or is there anything like, do you take Vegas odds and be like, all right, you know, just for instance, like the two game slate for Tuesday, that is probably going to be almost over by the time most people listen to this. You know, you mentioned Fun Plus Phoenix. They're minus a thousand. Um, you know, going up uh, against a team that's really close as far like they're both two and two. And like I see that, and I'm like, all right, these teams are both two and two. There's something that I should be looking into this more. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I do think that Fun Plus is going to win that game for the record. But I mean, we have the same kind of betting as as everything else. We have spread bets. We have. There's bets on like first turret, who's going to get first blood, who's going to take first dragon. There's all different kinds of like prop bets like that as well, as well as spreads and over-unders. So getting into league betting is definitely a big thing. I'll say the lines for betting in league are definitely softer than football, basketball, all those kinds of things. They don't have experts over there using like precise software to create near perfect lines. So if you, if you like betting and you like money, which I think we do league is a, is a pretty good place to, to invest your money. Well, it sounds like we're going to, we're going to make some East esports uh, e star money here soon. Cause they were <laughs> big favorites um, a couple days ago. Right. And they lost. Um, so looks like we're going to, we're going to make us um, some money here, you know, betting some esports as well. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, there's there's good money to be made, and I recommend people stick around and uh, see if they can beat some softer lines. 
Listen, I'm excited. I hope the United States gets going again. Like, let these guys play online. I know lag's an issue and everybody wants to have the same ping, but this is your time. There's nothing else going on. Like, right now is your time to just take advantage of this and, like, you know, take a, take advantage of a bad circumstance and, like, make the best out of it for your, your eSports. Like, this is the time. Like, I know everybody wants that zero ping and I'll be on the level <laughs> playing field, but, like, play with 20 ping and just – do the best you can. Like, I'm sure you're with me on this, but John George, the esports plug over there on Twitter. Make sure you guys are checking him out. Um, like he said, the gold card podcast on YouTube and Spotify, you know, check that out. If you're wanting some esports betting advice and tips, let's going to wrap it up here for Tuesday. We'll be back Wednesday talking something. Don't know what yet. Um, maybe esports, maybe MMA, maybe something, uh, but we'll be back Wednesday. Appreciate you guys listening. Good luck. And we'll see you then.